Hello, how are you doing today? I'm Shayna, and thank you so much for coming back for episode two of Happily Mental. I really appreciate all the feedback I got on the first episode. It was so nice to hear all of you reach out. So thank you so much. Feel free to reach out and message me anytime. My Instagram is shayna.edson. It's in the description of the podcast. It was really nice to hear that you are interested in listening to my experience and learning a bit more about mental health and addictions. Because it is something that's awkward and embarrassing to talk about, but I want to try and change that. And I've been seeing more and more recently on Instagram and Facebook people opening up about their struggles, about you know body image or depression. And I think it's amazing, especially right now during COVID. And even further with that in Ontario, we're in a full-on lockdown. Plus it's wintertime, so we've got a lot against us right now. But if we all are open and sharing all of our struggles together makes us feel a little bit less alone. So a little disclaimer before I get into what I want to talk about today. My way of coping with life's challenges may not align with your lifestyle. Anything I say, please take with a grain of salt. I'm not a professional. I'm still a student and I'm just here to share my experiences with you and also just how I deal with day-to-day things like overthinking and feeling overwhelmed and feeling alone because I have been doing really well lately and I am in a good place and I don't take that for granted. I know it's hard and it's hard to get to a good place. It's easier to stay where you are than to make a move and change. It's scary. As I'm sharing these stories with you and giving some of my advice, I hope you don't take it as I'm telling you not to do certain things or you'll end up exactly where I ended up or do these things and you'll be happy. Everyone experiences life differently. This is just my one personal perspective. And everyone has a right to think and do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt others. If you feel like you need help, follow your intuition and reach out to your doctor. Especially right now, you don't have to go face-to-face. There's so many online supports and over-the-phone therapy sessions and counselor sessions. And counseling is nothing to be ashamed of. To me, it shows that you're willing to grow and change and that's something to be celebrated and a good question to ask yourself is do you recognize and try and deal with your problems or do you invest all of your energy in denying that they're there and pretending like everything's good this episode i want to talk about my relationship with marijuana i think weed is amazing let me get one thing straight i'm not anti-weed the thing about weed is if you use it in moderation and you check in with yourself and notice how your body reacts to it, you're probably going to be okay. But what I did is I amplified my use from trying it once or twice to two months straight of consistently smoking all day, every day. And let me say, some people can do that just fine. I've talked to friends and they do that or they used to do that and they're completely okay. And I remember I used to, I used to think, why me? Why did this happen to me? I'm a good person. Why the heck is this happening to me? The thing about it is, The only certainty in mental health and addictions is uncertainty. So once you realize you can't control it, then there's really no reason to be upset. Of course, it's unfair and it's normal to feel sad or mad about things, but you gotta let things go. But right now during the pandemic, we have so much free time on our hands and that can be a dangerous thing. If we don't know the risks and possible negative outcomes of smoking a lot of weed. One of my friends messaged me and I asked her if I could share this information with you on the podcast and she said yes she said during quarantine i started smoking more and i ended up 
getting cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, where for weeks on end, I was throwing up all day and so tired and I lost a bunch of weight. And when I went to the ER, they said it was happening to so many people right now because people are smoking way more than they're used to. When there's underlying mental illness in the family, things like marijuana can bring it out of you. And who knows, I always ask myself, I wonder if I hadn't gone two months straight smoking that much weed, would I ever have even came across a mental illness? Would it have stayed at bay? But I know now, and I'm lucky that I came out of the other side okay, and I don't take it for granted whatsoever. So I linked a YouTube video in the description of the episode on cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. So I would give it a, a look if you're interested. So for the rest of the episode, I'm going to be sharing with you part two of my story. If you haven't heard the first part, please revisit episode one. I'm going to be sharing with you a lot of delusions and hallucinations, which was hard for me to bring up and revisit. So if that's something that you may think would be triggering to you right now, I invite you to pause and come back to it at a later date. The episodes moving forward of this podcast are going to be about more day-to-day struggles, like overthinking, for example, in episode three. With that being said, I'll jump right into part two. I hugged my mom goodbye, still unusually calm and not at all terrified to be in the psych ward. I still can't explain why. Maybe I just wasn't registering what was going on. By the time I had settled into my room, it was nighttime. The first night in the psych ward is the only night I remember hearing voices. I thought it was the nurses watching me from a camera and narrating my every move. They would say, she's sitting by the window. She's getting up. Shana, go turn off the light. You can go to sleep. So I did. I wasn't scared. The thing about it was, when I was in the middle of the psychotic episode, I didn't realize I was in it. Every delusion and hallucination felt so real. I put a pillow under my broken hand, and I fell asleep. Unfortunately, I can only remember my hospital stay in bits and pieces. I remember meeting my doctors and having to tell them repeatedly all I had ever done was cannabis, nothing more. I remember thinking one of my doctors was a robot because his eyes were perfectly round and his teeth were perfectly white. I remember the first time I realized I could punch in my mom's phone number into the phone hanging on the wall and she'd answer. I remember hearing her voice and for the first time being so happy I couldn't speak. She said, hello, Shayna, we're coming in now. We're walking through the doors. I have to hang up. I'll see you in a second. I called her a lot, mostly when I felt scared, just to say hi and hear her voice. I was very lucky. I'm still so very grateful that I had a very good support system. My mom and my stepdad came to visit me every day, and so did my dad, who lived 45 minutes away from the hospital and came every single day to eat breakfast with me. I hated breakfast and lunch and dinner. I hated that all the patients had to sit together in one room and eat. I was so scared I barely ate unless someone was telling me to pick up my fork and take a bite. I became so skinny you could see a perfect outline of my hip bones. Some of the older patients weren't too fond of me. They saw my family come in every day and sit with me, and one of them even threw a chocolate milk carton at me and called me a baby one time. (laughs) At one point in my stay, I couldn't talk or move without help or do anything at all for that matter. My dad described it as I was in a coma with my eyes open. I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't feel hunger, pain. I couldn't even feel my bladder, if you know what I mean. (laughs) I remember standing up one morning and getting soaked, one nurse holding up my right arm and another holding my left. 
I was frozen in one spot, and I felt the warmth consume my legs and feet. I peed myself standing up. I didn't feel embarrassed or mad at first. The first thing I realized was I could feel it. I was so scared up until that point that I was a ghost or I didn't exist anymore. But I felt it, so I felt relieved. Relieved that I was alive. I must have been alive. I feel really bad for the nurses that had to watch me pee my pants that day. Because instead of me having an embarrassed look on my face, I was smiling. (laughs) I laugh about it now, but I'm pretty sure I lost control of my bladder more than once. Because I would wake up with different socks on and different pants and a different shirt. And I basically knew that I'd blacked out and done something embarrassing. I don't usually like to talk about my experiences in the psych ward. It's almost like by not talking about it, that version of myself stays there frozen in time. And it's becoming a distant memory. And at first, uh, for a long time, I thought that that meant that I was in control. But it's crazy how much what a secret can do to you. Now, as I'm telling you this story, I'm realizing it made me who I am today. And I wouldn't change that for the world. During the day, there were art classes, yoga classes, songwriting classes, and even meditation. I went to all of them, didn't really participate, but I did observe. I remember one of the instructors asked me if I spoke English because I never said a word. I nodded and thought to myself that she was a bitch. (laughs) My grandma ate lunch with me one day. I saw her eat and put her tray away in the same spot, and I remember thinking, it looks like she's done that before. I wanted her to stay with me. For a while, I didn't know who I was, and having her there reminded me that I was her granddaughter and she was my grandma. At night when I was alone in bed... In complete darkness, I would sometimes cry. I'd say, I'm Shayna, I'm still here, and I would cry. It's like, for split seconds, right before I'd go to bed, and for that whole month, it almost felt like I was caged up, looking from a glass window way deep inside myself. And whatever was looking out of my eyes into the world, I didn't have control over what they did or what they said. It's like I'd be banging on the glass, saying, I'm here, I'm still here, I'm still here. And it's, it was so terrifying. I felt like no one knew that. I thought the nurses and doctors all thought I was a homeless hitchhiker or something, and the real Shana was doing fabulous somewhere down the hallway. When my mom and stepdad came to visit, I'd ask them how she's doing, meaning me. I thought they would go visit Shana and then come visit me because the nurses had told them that I was some girl who thought I was Shana. Maybe. I was disassociating myself from me because I could not even start to believe what was happening. Maybe my mind came up with this story that Shayna was doing perfectly fine down the hall and whoever I was just wanted to be her. I remember one day my mom brought in a photo of me and my dog Chloe. She asked me who it was in the picture. I told her that's good Shayna and Chloe. She asked me who I was and I said I'm bad Shayna. She told me that I was still that girl in the picture and I shook my head. She asked me what's good Shayna like, and I told her she's nice, she's happy, she likes to dance. She asked me what bad Shayna was like. I told her she smokes pot, she steals, she lies to her mom. Light bulb. (laughs) I was completely separating myself into two categories. I knew that bad Shayna had gotten me here, and good Shayna was not to blame. I wasn't allowing myself to be good Shayna because at the time, I wasn't. And in my mind, I needed to earn that title back. One day, a nurse handed me a business card that said long-term care nursing home on it with a phone number. I sank. I started to panic. Am I going to be like this forever? Is this game over? I must have been getting a bit better because they said I could leave and have home visits. 
I remember going outside for the first time after who knows how long it had been and walking right out into traffic. I completely forgot about cars. My mom and I walked over holding hands <laughs> across the street to a bench across from the hospital by the water and I ate a donut. Food is good. I must have been getting better. When I got out for the six hours a day, all I wanted to do was go home, see my beautiful dog, Chloe, my best friend, shower in my own bathroom, and nap in my own bed. Napping became my favorite thing. I looked at myself in the mirror. My eyebrows were bushy, and don't even get me started about my underarms. I wanted to shower. I wanted to take care of myself. These were all good things. I felt just a little bit normal. My poor Chloe wasn't doing so well either. She would scream out in pain randomly like she was getting migraines. I cuddled with her in her bed when she was feeling up to it. She was my person whenever I needed her support. And when she needed me the most, I wasn't there for her. Because of stupid decisions that I made. It still breaks my heart today. And it's hard to talk about. I remember when the day came. I had just finished up talking to one of my doctors and my mom called. She told me it's done. They put Chloe down. I dropped the phone and fell to my knees expecting to break out in tears. I wanted to. My doctor ran back over and brought me back to my room and he asked what was wrong. I told him, or I asked him, why am I not crying? My dog just died and I'm not crying. He said, it's the medication. It's supposed to prevent you from having any emotion right now. They wanted to keep me neutral. The absolute last straw was when my mom handed me a piece of mail. It was addressed to me from the college. As I sat on my bed in the psych ward, I ripped it open. It was a calendar with all the welcome week activities for the police foundations program that I had been previously accepted to. My mom looked at me and she said, you know you can't go now, right? I was so disappointed. How did I do this? How did I get here? I always find a way to achieve my goals. That was it. I'd had enough. I was ready to get better. I wanted to be back in my own bed permanently. No more of this six hours a day bullshit. One of my habits I had was I would sit on the floor. I'd crawl on the floor. I'm wondering if it was because I felt faint a lot of the time or if I felt more grounded. I don't know. But one thing my stepdad said to me is, you know, if you want to go home, you're going to have to start sitting like a normal person, doing normal person things. So even though I didn't feel 100% normal, I figured why not start pretending? So I brushed my teeth and started getting dressed every morning, even though it felt weird. I was eating my meals and trying to open up to the doctors a little bit, which was really hard. My cast finally came off of my hand, which felt amazing. I almost didn't believe it was healed already, but then again, I had no concept of time. Anytime I spoke to the doctors, I told them I wanted to go home. I knew that being home would really help me get better, and I knew they wanted me to go home too. They saw I was improving, and I was finally on the right medication, so it was only a matter of time. A woman came into my room one afternoon and introduced herself as a caseworker from the program Heads Up at the other hospital in town. Heads Up is an outpatient psychiatry program, and she was inviting me to participate. She said if I came and talked to her about three times a week and a psychiatrist once a week, that I could leave. So I said yes, absolutely. That was my ticket. So, I spent one more night in the psych ward, and the next morning I gathered my things, me and my mom waited for the doctors to come by my room with the prescription, which felt like forever. Literally felt like hours on end. I was honestly scared to leave what had been my home and my healing sanctuary for the last month. And it was time for me to re-enter the world. And that's the end of my psychosis story. I will share some of my recovery tips and stories from recovery, but like I said before, 
The only certainty in mental health is uncertainty, so if my stay there had come to an end, there isn't really a point in me telling you exactly what I did to recover because it's different for everyone, and no one can tell you what works best for you. You have to figure that out on your own. But the biggest, most important part is you have to be willing to put in the work. I'm telling you, it was not easy. I busted my ass for about a year, two years straight. The only thing on my mind was getting back to who I truly was. I cut out weed completely. I was doing everything that my counselor and my psychiatrist told me to do to get better. I was committed. And for about two years straight, I had that discipline, which I know a lot of people struggle with recovery because one, they don't have the support system that I did. I took my medication every day at the same time. I was eating healthy. I was doing mild exercise. And two, it's not as easy for some people to cut out substances. So as I said before, this is just my experience and then it's all worth it. I encourage you to come back next week. I did a poll on Instagram and a lot of you want to hear about overthinking. I have a lot of experience with this topic. I'm going to share with you some of the coping mechanisms that I do and some of the tips I've learned along the way that helped me out, helped me go to sleep earlier than 4 a.m. <laughs> it feels so good to get this out into the world and if it only helps one of you. So please don't forget to check out that YouTube video that I recommend in the description if you want to hear a little bit more about cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome and do your own research. I hope this encourages you to want to learn more about mental health and addictions and become more self-aware and ask yourself questions and check in with yourself more because I always can't help but wonder if I would have listened to my body or checked in with myself a little bit more or paid attention to my intuition that was screaming at me to stop making the decisions that I was making. Would I have ended up in the place that I did? Now don't get me wrong, like I said before, I don't regret anything. I'm very grateful for who I am today. But one thing's for sure is I will never push my intuition aside and I will always be true to myself in hopes that I can prevent future episodes from happening. So thank you so much again and I hope to have you back next week.